welcome to this hour of worship in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. We invite you to participate with us as we worship the Lord in song, giving, prayer, and studying His Word. It is our desire to be a fellowship that reaches out to others and cares for one another. May God richly bless our time together this morning. If you have no congregational home, please consider Calvary, a place of grace in the heart of Ray. be with you and also with you. Our opening hymn this morning is hymn number 688, Come Follow Me, the Savior Spake. Let us fall. 
Let us rise and we continue on page 151. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We continue with our intro and our worship insert. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. And woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. In peace let us pray to the Lord, Lord have mercy, for the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord, Lord have mercy, for 
for the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray together. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the readings. The Old Testament reading for the fifth Sunday in Lent from the book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, starting at the 16th verse. Thus says the Lord, who makes the way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Read responsibly the gradual. O come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. The epistle lesson is from Philippians chapter 3, beginning at the fourth verse. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, the persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing word of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may regain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter. Jesus began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let, it out, and let it out to tenants, and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants, so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he told this parable against them. But they feared the people, so they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us rise for the reading of our text this morning. The text for today's sermon is our gospel lesson, Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 20. And just some excerpts from that particular pericope. And he sent yet a third, this one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son, perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir, let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. And then the following, then the final verses. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him 
at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. This is our text. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The title for today's sermon is The Reality of the Truth. Christ really had some difficult conversations. And yet, granted, this is the Son of God. We would expect this. But we can really perceive and see how eloquent he was in delivering a parable to his hearers and how convicting and straightforward it was. Just brilliant. God's messengers, even as we look into the Old Testament and we see some of the prophets and how they delivered those messages, like Nathan with David. And he sucks David right into that parable after David had had that relationship with Bathsheba. And then had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, carry his own death letter and had him killed. And how God used Nathan in such that beautiful way to convict David. So also Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, lays it right out there to the chief priests and the scribes, those church leaders, and what they had done to God's vineyard. Destroyed it. Abused it. Taken advantage of it. Claimed it as their own. They had forgotten who the master was. Who was in charge. Where authority really rested. And Christ confronts them with the reality of and the truth that you are not in charge. That you are merely servants. You are stewards, and this does not belong to you. And that you have abused what the Master has entrusted to you. Even in his parable, and then immediately following his parable, the parable started to play out. And it's like they didn't even see it. What were they going to do to the son? Take him outside and kill him. And where does the parable end, or where does our pericope end, rather? With the chief priests and the scribes saying, we got to kill this guy. It's a beautiful text. It is so immediate on what Christ says. A prediction fulfilled, almost, we would say, linguistically, in a bang-bang fashion. He says it, and it happens. Brilliant. It's that reality of the law as it confronts the Pharisees 
that they're not who they think they are. Excuse me, the chief priests and the scribes. That they are not who they think they are. As a matter of fact, they're only servants. It's a guilt that we are guilty of as well. A behavior, an ideology, a philosophy, whatever word you might want to use to describe it, but that we ourselves get caught up in it. And we fail to see Christ, and we fail to see who the true owner is, and who the true master is, and ultimately it becomes a first commandment issue. And it's the truth. But we don't like to hear the truth. Because the truth of the law and that purity and holiness condemns us, convicts us, humbles us, takes the wind out of our sails, puts us in our place. However we want to say it, ultimately it kills us and it leaves us dead and cut off from God. Now we don't see Christ. We see only ourselves and self-justification. But under the confrontation of the law and the scrutiny of the law, reality hits us. And typically one of two things happen. Number one, which is that old good, the sinful nature, that old Adam living and dwelling within us, we try to defend ourselves and try to justify our behaviors and our actions and try to justify our own philosophies and, our, and ideals and, and everything about us and why this is okay. We could probably spend a whole day going through everything that we might perceive to be truth that stands contrary to God's Word and we might blame culture, we might blame our upbringing, we might blame our DNA, we might blame, well, it's just how it is. We might come to a postmodern view and say, well, that's really their position. I might not believe it, but it's okay for them to have that view. Or we might uphold what we call a bound conscience. And we've spoken about that in Sunday school and in our midweek class as well. Whatever you believe to be the truth, you're bound to uphold it. It's a very anthropocentric position. Very man-centered. So our lives become about us. That's one way, that's one position that we can take when we're confronted by the law. And yet then there's the other. We repent and we turn from our man-centered philosophies and our self-justification and we bow before the Lord on bended knee confessing our sins and receiving from Him what He has given to us. Absolution. A cleansing, a washing, a renewal. You see, there's a great peace in this text that sometimes gets overlooked 
we immediately vilify the scribes and the chief priests, and rightfully so. But see, there's that other piece. There's the gospel piece in our text. And that's what's going to happen to Jesus Christ, is He's going to die. They're going to take Him outside the city walls and kill Him. And even though they might perceive that as something of getting rid of that thorn in the flesh or that nuisance that's amongst them and, and, and dealing with it that way, it's God's fulfillment as blood's going to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. The Gospel of Jesus Christ, right there, cloaked in that parable, eloquently spoken, just brilliant. He's going to die. He's even going to die for those chief priests, those scribes, and later on the Sadducees, and also the Pharisees. He's going to cry out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do as they drive those nails into His hands. And as they bind Him to that cross and drop that cross into the ground. He's going to constantly confess and constantly care for His flock even while He's dying on the cross. As he proclaims to the one thief, Today you will be with me in paradise. It's non-stop. And it's non-stop in your life today. He's our master. He is the one who provides for us. He is the one who gives to us. We are merely stewards merely servants, humbled and humiliated, killed under the law. Yet it is Christ who takes us and places His waters of baptism upon us and washes us and redeems us and gives to us life everlasting and salvation. He takes you and He stands you up and He says, You are my child. I have shed my blood for you. I have washed you in the blood of the Lamb. Your life is no longer about you. Your life is about Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. It's really a fascinating piece that today on, on March 17th that we gather today and there's quilts all over in our sanctuary laying over the pews. And that yesterday we laid a sister in Christ to rest. A sister in Christ that we prayed for every Sunday. At least for the last three years and nine months since I've been here. And well before then. A person that was humble and who lived that life of humility. But today we're going to dedicate the quilts to be used for the good of God's kingdom. And in doing that, we also remember our sister in Christ, Esther. No doubt that she would probably lecture me and throttle me for even mentioning her name in the sermon today. As a person of modesty 
and humility that abounded in her. And yet at the very same time, she was in tune with the law and the right and the wrongs of life. That's who she was. She confessed every time I saw her that her faith gave to her salvation. And it was through that faith that she used to share in a gift that she had been given and making quilts and quilt tops for people. People that she had never met, that she had never talked to, that she had never seen, complete strangers. Our Savior Christ, in all of His humility and in all of His humbleness, reveals in our parable today regarding the Son of the Master of the Vineyard. The servants thought it was their vineyard, but it wasn't. They were merely stewards. They were merely servants. As he convicts, that is Jesus Christ, convicts the church leaders, he reveals his own death. He reveals the epitome of sacrifice, of suffering. He will die so that the final blood may be shed and that life eternal may be delivered. He will die so that those hands that are placed on Him can be saved and that their sins can be forgiven. He will die so that you too can rejoice in the forgiveness of sins that has been delivered to you. Salvation. A washing, a cleansing, a renewal delivered to you. Amen. And now the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us rise and we confess our faith through words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father. Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in Christian Apostolic Church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, each according to their needs. 
Good and gracious Father, You are the one who provides for all of our needs each and every day. You give to us strength and You draw us to Your cross of, com- draw us to your cross of comfort. We ask, Lord, that You be with those who are homebound and who are struggling with illnesses that prevent them from getting out and coming to church. We pray especially for our shut-ins. Elizabeth Welp, June Jensen, Harry Eckberg, Robert Parasette, Lillian Peters, Bonnie Davison, Bonnie Kenise, and Vi Wall. Lift up each of these people, your servants, granting and bestowing upon them your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father of all mercies, you are the author of life and the author of life everlasting. We ask, Lord, this day that you be with the family of Esther Schlickenmeyer, who was laid to rest yesterday. Be with them, guide them, and lead them, granting them the, the focus to, to take refuge in your cross and in the empty tomb of Easter Sunday and the resurrection. That as they mourn now, they may always rejoice that the gift that you have given to their, to their sister, to our sister Esther, that she rests with you in the heavenly kingdom, and that you continue to provide for us in all that we need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father of all mercies, you are the physician who brings who brings health and restoration to all people. We ask, Lord, that you be at those who are recovering from surgeries and implore you that you lay your hand upon them to give them strength and a speedy recovery. We pray especially for Doug Renzelman, who is recovering from surgery, and also Darlene Rock, who is recovering from surgery. Be with both of these people, your servants, lifting them up and sustaining them, and giving to them patience and peace each and every day during the rehabilitation process. Strengthen their faith at the foot of your cross. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty and merciful Father, you are the one who watches over us during adverse times and during difficult pieces in our life. We ask, Lord, that you be with the father of Brent Adler, Gary Adler. Give to him strength. Place your peace upon him. Be with his family as they make trips with him, giving them patience and strength and endurance each and every day. Allow them to to be kept from the, the flaming arrows of the, of the evil one, and that through all of this, your cross is always before their eyes, and that their hearts are always towards you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Good and gracious Father, you are the one who watches over your people and provides for them care each and every day. We ask that you be with all who serve in our armed forces and pray especially for Jordan Stover, Stober, who serves in the Air Force. Send your angels to watch over and protect him. Lift him up each day and make your presence known in his life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lay all of these prayers before you plus those prayers which are upon our hearts through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. You may be seated as the offerings are gathered. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you His peace. Amen.